Democrats and 10 Republicans vote to impeach President Trump for a second time. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the Senate won't take this up before the inauguration and law enforcement worries about the weekend. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. Alrighty, so it's impeachment two, impeachment two day, impeach harder, impeachment two, the empire strikes back, impeachment two, this time it's personal, impeachment two, too fast, too furious. We'll get to impeachment two in just one second, explain all the ramifications and what exactly is going on because the media have an interest in basically assuming that any Republican who didn't vote for impeachment is in league with the rioters and all of this. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about saving money, right? That's something we can all agree on if we're looking for unity. How about saving money on that cell phone bill? You're spending too much money on your cell phone bill. Many Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well, Let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, you could save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket, and you don't have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right, no gimmicks, no fluff added to your bills, which is why Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. How about this offer? Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. If you go over on data usage, they're not going to charge you for it, so really, it's not going to get better than that. Grab that mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say keyword Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless again. Save a bunch of money on your cell phone bill. Get the same coverage you'd get from any of the big companies, except you're not paying as much money. So really, what do you have to lose except a lot of the bills? They'll just go out the window. When you get Pure Talk USA, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro to get started. So yesterday, of course, the House, with a little bit of GOP support, voted to impeach President Trump for the second time. The total was 232 to 197, 222 Democrats, unanimous Democrat support for impeachment, 10 Republicans in favor, 197 Republicans against. According to the New York Times, the House on Wednesday impeached President Trump for inciting a violent insurrection against the United States government. That was the actual charge, as 10 members of the president's party joined Democrats to charge him with high crimes and misdemeanors for an unprecedented second time. Reconvening under the threat of continued violence and the protection of thousands of National Guard troops, the House was determined to hold Trump to account just one week before he was to leave office. At issue was his role in encouraging a mob that attacked the Capitol one week ago while Congress met to affirm President-elect Joe Biden's victory, forcing lawmakers to flee for their lives in a deadly rampage. The House adopted that single article of impeachment, voting 232 to 197 to charge Trump with inciting violence against the government of the United States. The 10 Republicans who voted in favor of impeachment are Representatives Liz Cheney of Wyoming. She's the number three in the House. Jamie herrera Butler of Washington, John Katko of New York, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, Fred Upton of Michigan, Dan Newhouse of Washington, Peter Maher of Michigan, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, David Valadio of California, and Tom Rice of South Carolina. So the media, of course, are, uh, are treating all of these Republicans with the strange new respect to which all Republicans are treated anytime the left is happy with them. The minute that these Republicans vote for Republican proposals in the future or vote against Joe Biden's, Joe Biden's proposals, then, of course, they will revert right back into being deplorable, awful, horrible people. And to understand why there was a lot of Republican opposition to these charges, you have to understand that underlying all of this, underlying all of this is serious doubt about motives. So on the left, there is this attempt to suggest that if you opposed the impeachment in any way, if you supported Trump in any way, then you were in favor of the Capitol riots, right? This was the idea that if you didn't support impeachment, it's because you were in league with the rioters or you were okay with the rioters. And not just if you didn't vote for impeachment in the House, but also if you're just a Republican, broadly speaking, that this is something you are okay with if you opposed impeachment. And Republicans could sense that. 
And so the reaction is, okay, well, we're not going to give you a club with which to beat us. See, the Democratic argument on impeachment, which I wrote about in this morning's political playbook, the Democratic argument on impeachment goes something like this. President Trump didn't just incite the violence. President Trump's actions and the reaction to those actions was so foreseeable that from the moment he came down the escalator, any single person who has supported anything that Donald Trump did, has done, anybody who supported him in either 2016 or 2020 or both, all of those people should have known that this was going to be the logical culmination of his presidency, was going to be people attempting to sack the Capitol and kill lawmakers, that that was absolutely foreseeable from the get-go. Now, that line, which has been trotted out about a million times since last week, that line, what it really is attempting to do, is it's not a referendum on Trump. It is not an, an indictment of Trump's character. It's an indictment of anybody who ever supported Trump ever. Right, which means 74 million Americans who voted for him this time, plus tens of millions of Americans who supported any of his policies, many people who didn't vote. In other words, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, if you don't mirror the Democratic agenda, then this makes you a bad person. Right? You, you, are, you are in league with the Capitol riders. You should have known that this was going to happen, and you turned a blind eye because you are just a horrible human being. Republicans can sense that this is the camel's nose under the tent, as they say, that the goal of impeachment for many members of the left is not to get rid of Trump one day before he's going to leave office anyway. Because realistically speaking, even if the Senate were to reconvene an emergency session today, and even if they were to take three or four days to do an investigation, which, again, there's never been an investigation done that fast in any impeachment trial ever, even if the Senate were to do hearings that quickly, that means that he would leave like two days before his term was set to expire anyway. So it isn't about getting rid of Trump so much as it is about suggesting that everybody anywhere who supported Trump was complicit in what happened during the Capitol riots, and therefore that the perspective of all of those people ought to be shelved, that the perspective of all of those people broadly writ, that it's, that it's entwined with what happened with the Capitol riots, that the Capitol riots were basically a flashpoint demonstrating how evil this ideology is, and the ideology needs to be extirpated and excised from American life. This is why folks on the right have been looking at the reaction to the Capitol riots and saying, yeah, the Capitol riots are evil and horrible. Also, I'm really, really upset and scared about what exactly is going on in the country, that right-wingers, generally speaking, conservatives, generally speaking, are now being targeted by social media. We are afraid of what comes next. We, we don't believe that there is a single standard that is, even, that is even being attempted here. Folks on the left keep pointing at the right and saying, you guys are engaging in whataboutism because people on the right keep pointing to democratic behavior during the summer, during the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. And people on the right say, no, 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 that's not whataboutism. That's us grasping for some neutral standard that can be applied to both sides. And this applies to impeachment also. What is the actual standard under which Trump is actually being tried, right? Under, under which he was impeached yesterday. So the actual standard, according to the Democratic charge, was incitement to violence. And the problem is, for a lot of folks on the right, and I think anybody of, of sound mind, you look at that incitement charge and you say, okay, so what exactly is the incitement? Really, like, be, be very specific about what the incitement is. Is it using very passionate, colorful language? Because the Supreme Court has found that that is not actually incitement. Not only that, people use that kind of language on a regular basis. Right? Yesterday, Louis Gohmert, Republican in the House, big Trump supporter, Louis Gohmert read off a bunch of quotes from Democrats about violence and unrest and use of violence. And people on the left clipped out the beginning of that quote where he says, and Nancy Pelosi said X. And then they just clipped what he said. And they said he's encouraging violence, which, of course, proved his exact point which is that if you are going to impeach Trump for incitement to violence on this standard, there are a lot of politicians who are going to get held to that standard. But that's the point. There is no actual standard. There is just a club. Okay, how about the idea that Trump had to be impeached 
because Trump was doubting the outcome of an election. He wouldn't accept the outcome of an election. Again, folks on the right are saying, well, you guys were perfectly happy to not accept the outcome of the 2016 election. You spent four years claiming that it was Russian propaganda that Trump had won, that it was Russian collusion that led to Trump's win. Stacey Abrams was treated as the governor of Georgia at the Democratic National Convention this year. So what exactly is the standard by which you are holding Trump to account? Now, you can make the broader political argument that what Trump did in pitting the executive branch against the legislature, what Trump did in suggesting that Congress could do something that Congress had no power to do, that the vice president was, was being forced into a position of, try, uh, of Trump wanting him to do something unconstitutional, that that is impeachable, right? That's the standard that Liz Cheney took. And that I actually hear, but that wasn't the charge that Democrats were putting forth. And Democrats were putting forth a bunch of charges they would never apply to themselves. I tweeted out yesterday, the only kind of standards right now are double standards, and double standards are the worst kind of lie. And that is why so many people on the right are saying, no, 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 you know, whatever we think of Trump's behavior, and I firmly believe that in their heart of hearts, most Republicans, most conservatives look at his behavior and are kind of appalled by it, that no matter that, what the left is attempting to do is paint all of us with that brush. That the left's behavior over the last week has really been a... In, a justification of Trump's long-stated rationale for his own power, which is, he says, the reason that they're attacking me is because they want to attack you. And again, the proof is in the pudding because we've seen a lot of that this week. I don't think it's wholly that. I think there are some people on the left who legitimately want to separate between people who supported Trump. It's a, it's a two-party system. People who voted for Trump, people who are conservative, and the worst aspects of Trump. But I think that that is far from the rule. In, in democratic circles at this point, which is really a problem. It's really, really a problem. I'll give you a perfect example. So last night, Don Lemon, the id of the Democratic Party, he's just a Democratic mouthpiece. So Don Lemon really just laid it out there. He, he legitimate. so Chris Cuomo was with him. And when Chris Cuomo is the voice of reason in a room, you know things have gone wildly wrong. So Chris Cuomo on CNN was saying, are you really trying to suggest that every Trump supporter is responsible for what happened during the Capitol riots? And Don Lemon said, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. If you supported Trump, you were in league with the KKK. You're in league with capital rioters. You're in league with segregationists. Here is Don Lemon just smearing every single conservative in America with the capital riots. Republicans know you're doing this. We, we have eyes and we know that there are consequences to accepting that version of reality. The consequences is we, the consequences, we all get excised and marginalized from the public conversation. And so the, our answer is no, we are not going to go along with whatever you want us to do, right? That is what is driving so much opposition to the impeachment by Republicans. Because after all, Republicans were in that house too. Those Republicans were being attacked largely by Trump. Trump was spending more ire on Mike Pence than he was on the Democrats. Trump was spending more ire on the governor of Georgia and the secretary of state of Georgia than he was on the Democratic Senate candidates. Republicans were Trump's targets far more than Democrats were over the last two months. He was suggesting that they were somehow disloyal so Republicans, you know, are, are, not, are the ones who are taking the brunt of Trump, not Democrats. And nonetheless, when you lump everybody together like this, this is the problem. If you want to go forward as a country, you have to stop lumping every single person together with the worst aspects of the other side. You have to stop setting standards that you yourself do not hold to. Here was Don Lemon doing precisely the opposite last night. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. You voted for the person who the alt-right supports. That's the crowd that you are in. You voted for the person who incited a crowd to go into the Capitol and, and potentially take the lives of lawmakers, took the lives of police officers, took the lives of innocent lives who were there on the Capitol that day. You voted on that side. 
You voted on that side, you see, right? You, you intentionally did it. You knew this was going to happen. You, you were aware of the possibility that this was going to happen, and you voted for that side. Okay, you know how easy it is to say the same about the other side? It's really, really easy to say that every single Democrat who voted for Joe Biden was totally fine with the Black Lives Matter riots that wrecked cities and got people killed. Right? Every single person on the left was totally fine with Antifa. After all, Joe Biden said Antifa is an ideology. Here's the thing. I don't think every single Democrat is okay with that stuff. In fact, I think most Democrats are not okay with that stuff. I think one of the reasons Joe Biden ended up as president-elect is because many Democrats rejected that kind of radicalism from other members of the party. Nonetheless, this is the narrative from the left. And because of that narrative, there cannot be unity, even in a time where there should be unity, as always, as always. Whenever I say there should be unity, I don't mean you have to agree with me. I mean that there is a political approval of the basic idea that violence is bad in American life. 90% of Americans believe this, but many of the elites don't believe this. Many of the people who are in media believe that violence on one side is okay. They just think on your side, it's not okay. Many of the elites believe that evidence is unnecessary to prove basic contentions about American life. Only on their side. On the other side, you need evidence. Right? When Trump says widespread voter fraud, you need evidence. When we say America is a systemically racist country and every single discrepancy between performance of groups is due to that innate American racism. We don't need any evidence of that. When you back that sort of double standard, no one is going to unify with you because you are being dishonest. You do not deserve unity if you are being dishonest in your standards. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, if you are looking to get rid of nagging muscle, joint pain, cramping, backaches immediately while providing yourself long-lasting recovery, you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution cryo-free sport roll-on developed by Omax Health. Omax's new sport formulation includes a deeply penetrating potent punch of 8.5% of FDA-approved menthol levels to instantly ice out and block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle, and joint flexibility. The best part is this 100% natural remedy works its magic within five minutes of application. Relief lasts up to eight hours. It's much longer than over-the-counter products. You'll immediately feel less stiffness and more mobility. It makes a big difference for me. Unfortunately, my body is aging along with me. I have a birthday tomorrow. And as I approach 40, yes, I know, I'm turning 37 tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to need, I'm going to need Omax Cryofreeze Sport. I just, it's going to be a thing I need. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of Cryofreeze Sport Pain Relief Roll-On. This discount also applies toward any product site-wide. Just head on over to omaxhealth.com today. Enter code BEN. That is O-M-A-X health.com. Enter code BEN to get 20% off Cryofreeze Sport and site-wide. Cryosport is clinically tested, scientifically proven, recommended by top physical therapists, chiropractors, and athletic trainers worldwide. The product reviews speak for themselves. 95% five-star reviews, page after page of customers saying they've tried everything, and Omax's cryo-free sport is so good, they're now buying it for family and friends. Now, I've been having chronic knee pain. I cannot wait to use cryo-free's sport. It is ideal for athletes, active people, those with injuries, those looking for long-lasting relief plus quick recovery. You probably qualify in one of those categories. Cryo-free sport it works within five minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. So head on over to omaxhealth.com, enter code BEN to get 20% off cryo-free sport and site-wide. I'm telling you, the product's the real deal. Head on over to Omax Health, O-M-A-X, health.com, enter code BEN to get 20% off site-wide. Okay, so again, the basic idea here is the Democrats' goal here is not to get rid of Trump primarily. The goal is the political goal. The goal is everybody on the right is with Trump and Trump is with the rioters. By the transit of property, you are with the rioters. And just like the rioters have been excised from American life, as well they should be because they are criminals, you should also be excised from American life. This is utterly foreseeable. You and the rioters are tied at the hip. Trump is the glue that holds you and the rioters together. And so if you voted for Trump just to oppose Joe Biden, or you liked a lot of what Trump did, but you didn't like his personality, or you liked Trump's personality, but you didn't expect this to happen, you are still 
glued together with the people who decided to violate the seat of democracy and try to harm Congress people and legislators and the vice president of the United States. People on the right see that. And when the media keep repeating that line over and over, it's not hard to see why people on the right believe that. The social fabric is frayed because social fabric gets frayed when people doubt each other's motives. Okay, and, and when one side is basically openly suggesting that the other side is evil all the time, I talk about this on the program a lot, people on the left have a tendency to believe that people on the right are legitimately evil. Right? In 2016, they couldn't believe that Trump won because they thought that anyone who opposed Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton was evil. And so their first reaction was, I can't believe there are so many evil people in the country. Not maybe we were wrong. Not maybe we ought to investigate the, the minds of the people who didn't vote for us. There was about a five minute period where they were interested in that. And then they went right back to Trump is a white supremacist and all of the people who support him are white supremacists. And now they get to fall back because Biden won. They're now falling back on that same hackneyed and vile misinterpretation of American life. And impeachment is just their latest attempt to do this. People on the right can see this. So it's really not about what Trump did for a lot of folks, a lot of folks. Like, again, I, I think good-hearted people can disagree on impeachment. I have a lot of friends who are pro-impeachment on the right. I have a lot of friends who are anti-impeachment on the right. I have a lot of friends who are pro-censure on the right. But what I think is that those, those arguments, many of which are principled, some of which are prudential, I talked about this at length yesterday, they take a back seat overall for the future to the broader question of whether we can live together. And if one side of the political aisle is determined to lump 74 million Americans minimum, because right, those Americans have kids, they have relatives who didn't vote. So you're really talking about easily over 120 million Americans. If you're determined to lump that many Americans into one group of deplorables, then we can't. It, it's going to be very difficult for us to have a country in the future because we can't even solidify around basic notions like violence in politics and generally is bad and claims deserve evidence. We can't even unify around that. Okay, so the Democrats did not make things any easier yesterday with their impeachment talk because, again, it's just too easy to point to the fact that Democrats have one standard for themselves and one standard for everybody else. So Nancy Pelosi led off the debate yesterday. She said, we have a sacred obligation to stand for truth. And I, I, can, I can actually audibly hear the audience rolling their eyes. Like, I can hear your eyeballs rolling in your head when you hear Nancy Pelosi saying that she has a sacred obligation to stand for truth after spending months delaying a relief package over COVID for specifically political purposes. And here, here is Nancy Pelosi saying she has a sacred obligation to stand for truth. Mm -hmm. Our country is divided. We all know that. There are lies abroad in the land spread by a desperate president who feels his power slipping away. We know that too. But I know this as well, that we here in this house have a sacred obligation to stand for truth to stand up for the Constitution, to stand as guardians of the Republic. Yeah, again, when you hear Nancy Pelosi talking about obligations to the Constitution, you, you think to yourself, literally this week, you, say, you, you try to pass a resolution pushing Mike Pence into invoking the 25th Amendment, which, by the way, is not a constitutional procedure. That is an executive branch-initiated move, the 25th Amendment. Earlier this week, Nancy Pelosi wrote a letter to the Joint Chiefs of Staff asking them to ignore orders from President Trump, which, again is unconstitutional. Okay, so great defender of the Constitution, Nancy. By the way, Nancy Pelosi has not been any stranger to using inflammatory language. Back in 2018, when she was talking about the family separation policies at the border, she said she didn't know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Could that have been inflammatory at all? The evangelicals testified that asylum, refugees and asylum, that is the, they called it the crown jewel of America's humanitarianism. Crown jewel of American humanitarianism. And in order to do away with that crown jewel, 
they're doing away with children being with their moms. This is, I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be, when people realize uh, that this is a policy that they defend. Okay, so, yeah, again, this kind of language, passionate language in politics has always been a part of politics, and I think everybody should be a little bit careful about immediately going to incitement of violence is what happened when your evidence of incitement is actually not up to the legal standard. You can say that bad things have been said. You can say that raising the temperature is bad. And I've said this many, many times to people on both sides of the political aisle. But the the Nancy Pelosi's of the world standing there and saying, you know, heightened language is really dangerous. Sure, Nancy, sure. And meanwhile, Cori Bush, who began her uh, political life as a Black Lives Matter activist, she, of course, immediately linked this to race. So I'm not sure what the evidence is that this had anything to do with race. Remember that this was an outgrowth of Trump continually saying that he had won the election and that he was being he was being robbed of the election by a voting fraud infrastructure that spread across the country and all this. I'm not sure what that has to do with white supremacy, but Democrats are, are always eager to lump everything into the white supremacist box, specifically so they can claim their opposition is a bunch of racists because the worst thing you can call somebody in American life right now, as well it should be, is a racist. That's why some of us say before you call somebody a racist, maybe you ought to examine whether they're actually racist. But Democrats don't do that at all. They just throw the term racist around, or now white supremacist is their favorite. They throw white supremacist around at anybody who acts badly. I mean, you can condemn the riots without suggesting that the riots had anything to do with race. But this was immediately the turn by the Democrats, right? Immediately after the riots, it turned to, well, it's probably happening because the cops are racist. And if that had been a Black Lives Matter riot, then they for sure would have shot everybody. And it's like, okay, hold up a second. Over the summer, in Washington, D.C., there were massive Black Lives Matter riots, and the police shot nobody. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some questions about that. doesn't matter. Everything is viewed through the prism of race, specifically so, again, you can lump together everybody who supports Trump with white supremacy. This is the goal. And then you wonder why Republicans largely are like, you know what, I'm not going along with whatever you want to do here because I don't think it's about Trump. I think it's about me. Hey, here was Cori Bush doing this routine yesterday. If we fail to remove a white supremacist president who incited a white supremacist insurrection, it's communities like Missouri's first district that suffer the most. The 117th Congress must understand that we have a mandate to legislate in defense of black lives. The first step in that process is to root out white supremacy, starting with impeaching the white supremacist in chief. Ah, so President Trump needs to be impeached because he's the white supremacist in chief. Now, I just have a question. What in the world over the last two months has had to do with white supremacy? Like, really, what? I understand this argument back when you were talking about, like, Charlottesville, even though you were deliberately misinterpreting some of the things that Trump said. I I get it. I get what you were at least attempting to do there. At least there was some connection between the alt-right and Trump, and it was about the alt-right and all this. I I don't know what you are talking... When Trump says the election was stolen from me, which is a false claim, when he says that, what in the... That can be bad and also not white supremacist. But again, everything has to tie into this underlying great moral battle between the wonderful, tolerant Democratic Party and all of their enemies who unite in the new buzzword, in their white supremacy. Again, there is no evidence, none, that what Trump has been doing over the last two months is quote-unquote tied to white supremacy. And yet this has been the talking point, which is such a bizarre talking point. Like, you don't need that talking point. You could just say that Trump engaged in prevarications and that he led people down a primrose path to hell in some cases by pushing them to believe things that are not true about the United States, about the electoral system, about the powers of Congress. You can do like all of those things. But to go to white supremacy is really just a moral attempt to bludgeon everybody who disagrees with you on any subject. That's the goal here. Maxine Waters did the same thing. We'll get to Maxine Waters in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that perhaps you're unhappy with your smile. Perhaps, you know, 
years and years and years ago, you had braces. And then after you got the braces off, you got a retainer. And then you lost the retainer. And now your teeth have slipped out of place. Well, if you're unhappy with your smile, you don't have to be. Thousands of people have used Candid, the clear, comfortable, removable, practically invisible aligners to help straighten their teeth. And now they love that smile. Don't take my word for it. Sharon from Pittsburgh says, I wore braces as a teenager. Flash forward 30 years. I had crowding on the bottom. One of my teeth actually stuck out. That's when I made the decision to move forward with Candid and I finally got my confidence back. Candid is here to help straighten your teeth so you can fall in love with your smile as well. Their treatment is prescribed and closely monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. You'll have the same quality of care you'd get from an in-office orthodontist from the comfort and convenience of your own home. While other companies use general dentists, Candid only works with orthodontists. With Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan is with you from start to finish, so you never have to wonder how you're doing. The average Candid treatment is just six months. You'll start seeing results way before then. It costs thousands of bucks less than traditional braces. Become your best you. Start straightening your teeth today. Right now, you can save 75 bucks on Candid Starter Kit. Head on over to CandidCO.com slash Shapiro. Use code Shapiro. That is CandidCO.com slash Shapiro. Code Shapiro. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save 75 bucks on your starter kit. CandidCO.com slash Shapiro. Use code Shapiro. Okay, so Maxine Waters pushing this line as well. Everybody is Trump. Trump is the rioters. All of you are the same. An ugly, a divisive, uh, a a pathetic line that happens to be untrue and false and vile. But again, this is all tied into the impeachment effort. Imagine if Democrats said, listen, we know that Trump voters do not approve of what just happened at the riot. We, we know that you don't approve of that. And we know that even the people who went to the rally did not approve in the vast majority of cases. I mean, we are talking like there are probably a couple hundred thousand people who went to that rally and like a couple of hundred people who broke into the Capitol. The vast majority of the people who were actually at the rally may believe something that's not true, but they certainly didn't approve of people invading the Capitol building and attempting to do violence to legislators. Right. This is solely and completely about Trump's behavior in the lead up to the election. It is not about you. We understand that you guys disagree with us. We understand you voted for Trump because you may disagree with some of our priorities. But this is really about we as the legislature have to stand up for our for our own domain. If they had said that, it would have removed a lot of the club from the hands of Republicans who didn't want to vote for impeachment, would it not? Made it very difficult for them. But, but Democrats, but that wouldn't serve their political purposes, you see. Because for many Democrats, not all, but for many Democrats, the goal is to lump everybody in together for political gain. Because this, this impeachment effort is part and parcel of something larger, which is the attempt to silence. People on the right know this. People on the left are dismissing it because they don't want to, they don't want to pay attention to it. Because again, for many on the left, this is the goal. So here's Maxine Waters. Again, if you're going to trot out people to talk about the evils of incitement, you cannot trot out Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters spent the L.A. riots explaining they were an L.A. uprising. Okay, while people were getting killed in South Central L.A., she was claiming it was an uprising against the system. Yet here was Maxine Waters yesterday talking about how the Republican Party is the Trump Party and Trump is going to start a civil war and he has to be stopped right now. The Republican Party is now the Trump Party. And I want you to know that this is a Trump power grab that will not stop. It will not stop with attacking the Capitol and our state legislatures. This president intends to exercise power long after he is out of office. We should be concerned that the Republicans will not defend him. And he is capable of starting a civil war. He must be impeached. He must be stopped now. Okay, uh, and that is the same Maxine Waters who just a couple of years ago was suggesting that every Republican in America who supported Trump needed to be confronted physically. Here was Maxine Waters talking to supporters just a few years ago. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, 
at a gasoline station. You get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And so again, that is Maxine Waters telling you how bad political violence and incitement are. I'm sorry, from Maxine Waters, that doesn't hold a lot of water. It just does not. And you have, the, that's not even the most extreme rhetoric we saw from Democrats yesterday during this impeachment hearing. Right? We have, we have Eric Swalwell comparing Donald Trump to Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden did not enter U.S. soil on September 11, but it was widely acknowledged that he was responsible for inspiring the attack on our country. And the president, with his words, using the words fight with the speakers that he assembled that day, who called for trial by combat. Are you comparing President Trump to Osama bin Laden? I'm comparing the words of a individual who would incite and radicalize somebody, uh, as Osama bin Laden did, to what President Trump did. You don't actually have to commit the violence yourself. Okay, I'm sorry, that's insane. That is insane. Osama bin Laden didn't just say mean things on the Twitters. Osama bin Laden actively planned, fomented, and achieved terrorist attacks, ending with the murder of thousands of American citizens. Not quite the same thing there, Eric Swalwell. It's, it's always fun to hear about national security from a guy who is literally in bed with a Chinese spy. That's, all, that's always fun. Okay, meanwhile, Representative Clark, this would be Catherine Clark, uh, she says that the president of the United States has spent his entire his entire administration fomenting white supremacy. Again, the goal here is to lump everybody together because that has predictable effects. That has predicted when you lump everybody together, then you get to censor everybody. That's the fun of the game. So here is Catherine Clark yesterday. The truth is President Trump incited a violent attack against the United States government. The truth is President Trump spent his presidency inflaming hate, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, and violence. The truth is he was enabled by all those who perpetuated the lie that the most secure election in our nation's history was stolen. The truth is that these seditious actions left five dead, our capital besieged, our security threatened, and our democracy hanging in the balance. Right. The, the argument that Trump has done this all along, it was utterly inevitable. So that means if you voted for him, you knew it was inevitable, so it's your fault. Right? That, is, that is the goal here. And there are ramifications to this. Right? We can see the ramifications happening in real time because... If you believe not just that Trump did something wrong, but that everybody who agrees with Trump is engaged in quasi-violent action, then the proper response is to shut them down. And that is precisely what we are seeing calls for from the same left that says it's really just about Trump. We really just don't like his behavior. Really? Then um, why is Nicholas Kristof writing in today's New York Times that advertisers should boycott Fox News? Why is Thomas Friedman celebrating the fall of the Republican Party more generally? It seems as though there might be a secondary agenda here. And the secondary agenda might actually be the primary agenda for a lot of people, for a lot of people. It seems that maybe the doubts about motivation are justified. We'll get to that in just one second. First, this this year has been an insane news year. It means that you've been listening to a lot of content. This year is an insane year. You can't leave your house for large swaths of the year. And so you've been consuming a lot of media. This means you need a great pair of wireless earbuds. So let me talk to you about the best wireless earbuds, Raycons. Whether it's following directions in the kitchen, binging an audiobook while learning to knit, or powering through a new workout with a pumped up playlist in your ear, a pair of Raycons can make any activity easier and a better time. Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone. Their wireless earbuds start at half the price of other premium audio brands. And guess what? If you think having those white stems dangling out of your ears makes you look like a bug, that's something you don't have to worry about with Raycons. They come in a range of stylish colors, and they have a range of fits as well, so it's going to fit perfectly in your ear. 
always looks more discreet. And they don't just look great. Raycons perform wherever you take them. Six hours of playtime, water and sweat-resistant construction, Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. You've heard me say it all before. If you still don't have a pair of Raycons, got to start wondering why. Raycon is offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. Here's what you've got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Ben. That's it. You get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That is 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Ben. Buyraycon.com slash Ben. Okay, so when people on the right say, I feel like you're talking about more than impeachment when you're talking about impeachment, they're not wrong to be suspicious. Okay, Nicholas Kristof has a piece in the New York Times today in which he says that we have to tackle the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. The ecosystem, you mean free speech. That, that's, that would be the ecosystem he's talking about. He says, the United States realized after 9-11 that to succeed in the war on terror, it had to reform extremist madrasas, religious schools that preached hatred. Today, the equivalent of those madrasas are online platforms and right-wing bloviators. And again, we face complicated free speech issues. Okay, so extremist madrasas, where people were literally being taught that America was the great Satan and Israel was the, the little Satan, and that people who disagreed were infidels, that is the equivalent of right-wing bloviators, you see. That is the equivalent of basic free speech online platforms. It's the same thing, the same exact thing, according to Nicholas Kristof. In other words, a propaganda wing is the same thing as people who disagree with me politically. I, I love this from Kristof. He says, I believe in listening to alternative voices, not drowning them out. That's why I went to extremist mosques in Pakistan. It's why I had an account on Parler. But I also saw how fanatical mosques inculcated violence and how Alex Jones, Sean Hannity, and Donald Trump used their platforms to spew racism, bigotry, and conspiracy theories in ways that made America a more frightening place. So what should be done about these evil people, according to Nicholas Kristof? They have First Amendment rights, but not a right to advertising or to private platform. So I'd like to see pressure on advertisers to withdraw from Fox News so long as it functions as an extremist madrasa. And cable providers should also be asked why they distribute channels that peddle lies. So... You're in favor of the First Amendment, just you don't want anybody to be able to take advantage of the First Amendment to actually speak to people. So that's fun. It's sort of like the left's view of freedom of religion, that you should be able to be as religious as you want to be so long as you're in the privacy of your bedroom. The minute you leave your bedroom, then you can't be religious in any shape of, like any way, shape or form. You can't teach your kids religious stuff. You you really shouldn't. I mean, that would be bad. We can't have religious schools that are funded by school vouchers. We have to make sure that your church is, is fully ensconced in leftist values. In your home, that's that's the place for... So free speech, it's the place for you and like your immediate family, but we have to deny online platforms to people I disagree with. Somehow I don't trust Nicholas Kristof's definition of, of content that is the equivalent of an extremist madrasa if he is now equating Sean Hannity to extremist madrasas. Somehow I don't... I, I'm not seeing the connection there, Nick. I'm not sure why I should trust you with those sorts of standards. Also, I find it very interesting. I've never seen folks on the right call for widespread advertiser boycotts of people on the left who say awful, awful things on a regular basis. In fact, I used to run an organization called Truth Revolt. It was deliberately designed to be the response to Media Matters because Media Matters does this all the time, right? They go to right-wing shows, they find their advertisers, and then they try to astroturf boycotts. They get 12 people to call, and then they try to get the advertiser to feel uncomfortable and pull their money. So we created an organization called Truth Revolt. The explicit goal of the organization was what we called mutually assured destruction. We said this tactic is bad. It is bad for the country. But until the left learns that the tactic is bad, they're going to keep pursuing it. Well, they are going to keep pursuing it. They continue to pursue it. And by the way, the only way out for the right may be to actually do the opposite, Okay, which makes the country worse on every level. Okay, so again, the idea here is the is the the... People I disagree with ought to be deplatformed. Meanwhile, you got Thomas Friedman, also in the New York Times, talking about how it's great that the GOP is being blown apart by this. 
He says, well, I want Trump out. I'm not sure I want him permanently off Twitter and Facebook. Not because Thomas Friedman likes free speech, mind you, but because Thomas Friedman enjoys the fact that Donald Trump is providing a political albatross for Republicans, and maybe this will allow Democrats to win more seats. He says, there's important work I need Trump to perform in his post-presidency. I need him to have proper megaphones to do it. It's to blow apart this Republican Party. My number one wish for America today, says Thomas Friedman, is for this Republican Party to fracture. That would be a blessing for America. First, it could end gridlock in Congress and enable us to do big things on infrastructure, education, and healthcare that would help all Americans. If just a few principled center-right Republicans abandoned the GOP or were willing to work with the center-left Biden team, the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House and like-minded members of the Senate would become stronger than ever. Also, if the principled Republicans split from the Trump cult, the rump pro-Trump GOP would have a hard time winning a national election anytime soon. And um, that'd be good. Only Democrats should win. Only Democrats should win. So... Thomas Friedman is actually eager to have more Trump because he thinks that this will lead to Democrats continuing to win. So I'm getting the impression that you're really not all that upset with, with, with Trump, particularly, Thomas. I'm getting the impression that what you're really upset with is the fact that there is opposition. And so if you can get rid of the opposition via the vehicle of Trump, then you are happy to do it. That is the impression that I'm getting because you're saying it out loud. Okay, like you're saying the quiet part out loud there. By the way, when, when it comes to the silencing of dissenting viewpoints, the silencing of dissenting voices, worth noting, AR15.com has now been kicked off GoDaddy. Okay, they are one of the largest, if not the largest, big gun for, biggest uh, gun forum in the world. They were deplatformed on Monday by GoDaddy. They were not given an excuse. The president and co-founder of the gun site, Juan Avila, told the Federalist, quote, on Monday, I received notice from our site registrar that AR15 had violated their terms of service and that AR15.com would be shut down immediately. The registrar's decision to deplatform AR-15 was final. No method of appeal was offered. It remains unclear specifically what content allegedly violated the registrar's terms of service. When asked by the Federalist, GoDaddy claimed the site, quote, both promotes and encourages violence, but offered no specific examples. Instead, they just said you have 24 hours to get off of our platform. Meanwhile, you remember that time that um, the, the Amazon Web Services banned Parler? Remember that? where they said that the parlor was super duper terrible and needed to be removed because obviously people had been spending an enormous amount of time planning evil on parlor. Remember that? Well, we're now learning that actually, actually, it was uh, it was largely planned on both Twitter and Facebook. Whoops. So when do we get when do those sites get deplatformed? Seriously, when do they get deplatformed? If the standard is that anybody, any any platform that was used to foment violence or organize violence or organize rallies that devolved into violence needs to be held accountable for all of this, then uh, I have a question, which is when does Parler get its platform back? And when do Facebook and Twitter get removed? The Washington Post has a piece today titled Facebook's Sandberg deflected blame for Capitol riot, but new evidence shows how platform played role. Flyers and hashtags promoting the pro-Trump rally circulated on Facebook and Instagram in, in the days and weeks beforehand. In the days leading up to last week's March on the Capitol, says the Washington Post supporters of President Trump promoted it extensively on Facebook and Facebook-owned Instagram and used the services to organize bus trips to Washington. More than 100,000 users posted hashtags affiliated with the movement prompted by baseless claims of election fraud, including stop the steal and fight for Trump. So Facebook services um, were in fact used to organize a lot of this material. Oh, weird. So I, I guess that uh, we now have to take down Facebook, right? We took down Parler on this basis. So I guess that we have to take down Facebook as well. By the way, apparently, we should also be taking down, according to the AP Twitter, uh, according to the Associated Press, 
Defense and National Guard officials have said in interviews they were told by D.C. they believed the protests would be similar to the ones in November and December. They said federal law enforcement authorities said there was activity on Twitter, but that they weren't expecting the level of, of, of violence that they ultimately saw last Wednesday. Oh, look at that. Level of activity on Twitter. Oh, well, look at, well, I guess we have to deplatform Twitter and Facebook. Or it could be that the social media giants actually have no actual standard. And that the standard is, if we don't like a particular app because we believe that too many right-wingers are using it, we'll just take it down. I wonder why so many people are doubtful of the motives here. I wonder why so many people feel like a lot of this is, is not genuine rage, which we all share at the Capitol riots, but is a, uh, is a Trojan horse for something larger. That this is going to be used as a, clud, a cudgel to wield against the ability of Republicans to be platformed, to speak freely, to have advertisers, to say what they want, to have conversations and discussions with others. Again, that's part of, that's part of a broader trend in the United States. Now, tomorrow is, is my birthday, and it's a day when I like to play one of my favorite games. Uh, it's, it's a game I call the Happy Birthday Game, and here's how the game goes. I receive texts from all of my friends in the liberal media. I receive texts from all of my friends in liberal Hollywood. And then I see how many of them actually post Happy Birthday on Twitter. And the answer is usually close to zero. And so I keep count because it's fun. Because for anybody on the left to recognize that I am a human being born of woman would be bad for them publicly. Right? This is part and parcel of the othering of half of America. The right can sense it. They're not wrong to sense it. They're not wrong to fear it. And they're not wrong to recognize that there will be an attempt both socially and governmentally to crack down on them via any instrument available if many on the left get that chance. We're going to get to more of this in just one second. Uh, we're going to tell you what is next. There's a possibility of violence over the weekend. The impeachment itself is going nowhere in the Senate, at least nowhere fast. And President Trump puts out a statement um, roundly, roundly uh, ripping on, on violence. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let us talk about the fact that you need better sleep. I need better sleep. We all need better sleep. But I was in a hotel last night, and that meant that I was not on my bowl and branch sheets. Okay, that means I didn't sleep as well because bowl and branch sheets are the best sheets in the land. The signature hem sheets from Bull & Branch are a bestseller for a reason. Buttery soft, lightweight, organic cotton in a classic sateen weave for sheets that get softer over time. They're not too hot. They're not too cool. They are the perfect year-round sheets for most sleepers. Bull & Branch focuses on quality over quantity. No inflated thread counts here because more isn't always better. It's not about the thread count. It's about the quality. Bull & Branch signature sheets come in seven beautiful colors in all sizes from twin all the way up to California King. They are made to a higher standard, 100% organic cotton, ethical production, thoughtful attention to every detail. There's nothing worse than fitted sheets that don't fit. Bowling Branch offers 17-inch deep fitted sheets and labeled sides to help you make your bed beautifully every single time. The little things make a difference. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlingBranch.com. They're so good. My wife and I tossed out all our other sheets. We only have Bull and Branch now. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Shapiro at checkout. That's Bull and Branch, B-O-L-L, and branch.com, bullandbranch.com, promo code Shapiro. Go check us out right now. Alrighty, so before we get to more, and there's much, much more that we have to discuss here because it has been uh, a rather large day. Well, tonight is a big, big night for the Daily Wire. Tonight, Daily Wire makes its entrance into entertainment content with our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will air a virtual premiere of the movie in a special episode of Backstage. It'll stream live over at the Daily Wire website, mobile and streaming apps, as well as on our YouTube channel. Tonight's event is free for everyone to watch, but after the live stream is over, the movie will be available exclusively to Daily Wire members. Please be aware, the film is not political. It is intense. It is for mature audiences only. This is a rated R, edgy film. It's got violence. It's got language. It stars Isabel May, Thomas Jane, Radha Mitchell. Run, hide, fight. It follows Zoe Hall, who's a high school student coping with the recent loss of her mother. 
All she wants to do is get through the last few weeks of senior year and leave for college with a fresh start. Instead, her high school is attacked by four nihilistic gun-toting students with plans to make the worst school shooting in history. Using her wits and survival skills, Zoe fights back to save her fellow students. It's a, it's a great movie. You're really going to enjoy it. We are excited to bring you great stories Hollywood refuses to tell. We hope you'll join us for tonight's big event as we move into entertainment and start to compete overtly in the culture. That's 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, dailywire.com, Apple TV, or Roku, or the Daily Wire YouTube channel. We can't wait. We'll see you there. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. <laughs> Alrighty, so you can see the trend forming in real time. Again, the whole goal for not all, many on the left. A lot of liberals are not in favor of this, but many on the left are very much in favor of deplatforming everybody who's on the right. And you can see the fallout in corporate America too. By the way, as this strengthens, the blowback is going to get worse. The polarization is going to get deeper. None of this is healing or unifying. It's not geared toward that. It is geared toward, toward essentially calling for the submission of people who disagree with you. Charles Schwab is now discontinuing its political action committee. Instead, it's going to donate all the remaining funds to the Boys and Girls Club of America and historically black colleges and universities. They say, in light of a divided political climate and an increase in attacks on those who participated in the political process, we believe a clear and apolitical position is in the best interest of our clients. And meanwhile, AT&T and Marriott are among the companies that will stop all election contributions to lawmakers who objected to certifying the election. Weird, they didn't do that to like Jamie Raskin in Maryland uh, after he voted against certifying the election in or tried to stop the certification of the election uh, in 2016 in Florida, right? He is actually on the House impeachment team for Nancy Pelosi. Didn't happen to Barbara Boxer. Uh, it, it didn't happen this summer when people were overtly siding with rioters in the Democratic Party. There was no corporate disassociation from, from various candidates. Instead, there was actually a closer tie between the candidates and corporate America. And, and on the interpersonal level, we're seeing this as well. A University of Michigan regent is now under fire. His name is Ron Weiser, according to Breitbart, because he replied, I don't know, when asked if he believes Trump is to blame for the Capitol Hill riot last week. Now there is a petition that has garnered 4,000 signatures calling for Weiser to resign. Why? Because he apparently was in favor of white supremacy. The petition claims that Weiser stood by the consciously destructive actions of President Trump the day after white supremacy stormed America's capital. What exactly what did, did Weiser do? He was asked if Trump bears blame for the Wednesday's violent mob. He said, I don't know. I didn't read any of that stuff. I didn't watch TV. I watched Michigan destroy Minnesota in basketball. That kind of contest is something I strongly support. And then the petition says that Weiser's answer is merely a continuation of refusing to condemn Trump's undisputed endorsement of white supremacist violence. So Weiser wrote, I strongly condemn people who turned into a mob and breached the Capitol after what was supposed to be a peaceful protest. Those who broke the law should be held accountable. My heart goes out to the families. Doesn't matter. He's still on the chopping block over at Michigan. Meanwhile, over at uh, Harvard Kennedy School, they have decided they're going to dump Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who represents the North Country in upstate, in the northern uh, country in upstate New York, according to Jazz Shaw over at Hot Air. She's now been, been initiated into the club of people who have become targets of cancel culture. Not a huge surprise. Stefanik graduated from Harvard in 2006. She's mentored students and served on Harvard Kennedy School Senior Advisory Committee. Now, the school is saying that they will drop her from the position because she was too closely aligned with Trump. According to Dean Doug Elmendorf, he said, following this consideration, I spoke with Elise and asked her to step aside from the Senior Advisory Committee. My request was not about political parties, political ideology, or her choice of candidate for president. Rather, in my assessment, Elise has made public assertions about voter fraud in November's presidential election that have no basis in evidence, and she has made public statements about court actions related to the election that are incorrect. The dean asked her to resign. She said no. 
Um, and uh, here is what she said. Stefanik put out a statement. She said, as a conservative Republican, it's a rite of passage and badge of honor to join the long line of leaders who have been boycotted, protested, and canceled by colleges and universities across America. That's that's right. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch as overt liars from past administrations are granted great gigs over at Harvard Kennedy School, but uh, at least Stefanik is, uh, is now canceled. That's the way all of this works. So when people on the right fear that uh, this sort of stuff may have something to do with a, a broader agenda, again, for the thousandth time, they are not wrong to have their doubts. So quick note, quick final note here. It's not as though even Republicans who opposed impeachment were in favor of President Trump's behavior. Okay, Chip Roy put out a statement saying that the Democratic article was flawed, but he said that that Trump's activities over the past few months were in fact impeachable. He just said that the House article was flawed. So Chip Roy said that the House Democrats drafted articles, which I think fall short and create issues with respect to what inciting a riot and inciting an insurrection look like. I think that is a problem. But apparently Chip Roy is bad because he didn't vote in favor of impeachment. Dan Crenshaw has been trending on Twitter all day because he put out a statement deploring what President Trump has been saying over the past couple of months but saying that he was not going to vote in favor of impeachment. He thought that it was a, a bad prudential solution to the issue. He said he would vote in favor of censure. But that's not enough either. If he, as long as you're not doing exactly the thing Democrats want you to do, this, mean, this means that you are part of the, the gang that must be obliterated from the political face of the earth. And Kevin McCarthy is very bad, even though McCarthy said yesterday that Trump bears responsibility for the attack, but won't vote to impeach. Here was Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, yesterday. I believe... Impeaching the president in such a short time frame would be a mistake. No investigations have been completed. No hearings have been held. That doesn't mean the president is free from fault. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility, quell the brewing unrest, and ensure President-elect Biden is able to successfully begin his term. Okay, so McCarthy is also bad. Everybody's bad, you see. Everybody you don't like is bad. That's the way that this works. Okay, meanwhile, we have to talk about what is coming next. So there are reports that um, violence may be on the way this weekend. There are apparently now 20,000 troops who are guarding the Capitol building which is pretty amazing. 20,000 troops in Washington, D.C., a thing that you probably didn't ever expect to see in your lifetime. According to the Washington Post, National Guard forces from a growing list of states moved into positions around Washington on Wednesday as authorities scrambled to understand the extent of threats surrounding President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration and prevent a repeat of last week's deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Federal officials led tabletop exercises to rehearse inauguration security and strengthen coordination among a massive patchwork of police, National Guard troops, and federal personnel that is expected to fan out ahead of protests this weekend and the January 20th transfer of power. By next week, the D.C. police chief said upward of 20,000 guardsmen were expected to be in place to guard against violence days after supporters of President Trump smashed their way into the Capitol as lawmakers met to certify Biden's electoral win. So people are worried. I've been hearing from my own security sources that there's a lot of chatter about this particular weekend. Apparently, there are going to be protests and armed protests at capitals across the country. Obviously, everybody needs to stay safe. President Trump put out a statement in response to all of these rumors and everything that is going on, talking about the risks of additional demonstrations uh, and talking about condemning the violence. He says, I condemn the violence and mob violence is against what my movement stands for, which must have come uh, as a, quite a shock to the Q crowd. Here was President Trump condemning the violence yesterday. I want to be very clear. 
I unequivocally condemn the violence that we saw last week. Violence and vandalism have absolutely no place in our country and no place in our movement. Mob violence goes against everything I believe in and everything our movement stands for. No true supporter of mine could ever endorse political violence. No true supporter of mine could ever disrespect law enforcement or our great American flag. Okay, President Trump continued along these lines. He says, we've seen too many riots and too many mobs. It, it, by the way, it happens to be true that when you normalize political violence on one side of the aisle, usually political violence results on the other side of the political aisle. Uh, once, the, once the violent cat is let out of the bag, all the cats are out of the bag, right? And, and, and this has been a serious problem. That's something Tom McClintock said yesterday on the floor of the House. It's true. Imagine if the entire country had come out at one, as one during the BLM riots and said, this violence is unacceptable. Everybody who is committing it should not be justified. They should be arrested and they should be thrown in prison. It definitely would have had, uh, I think, a calming impact. Uh, unfortunately, none of that happened. That is not to excuse anybody who's excusing violence today, obviously. No violence, no political violence in a civilized country should ever be excused. Here's President Trump uh, talking about the rioting and the mobs, and he says this mob violence has to stop. This, again, this would have been much more useful about a week ago. We have seen too many riots, too many mobs, too many acts of intimidation and destruction. It must stop. Now I am asking everyone who has ever believed in our agenda to be thinking of ways to ease tensions, calm tempers, and help to promote peace in our country. Okay, and uh, he continued along these lines as well, and he talked about the potential threats that are, that are arising this weekend and up to inauguration. Uh, here was President Trump on that subject. There has been reporting that additional demonstrations are being planned in the coming days both here in Washington and across the country. I have been briefed by the U.S. Secret Service on the potential threats. Every American deserves to have their voice heard in a respectful and peaceful way. That is your First Amendment right. But I cannot emphasize that there must be no violence, no law-breaking, and no vandalism of any kind. Obviously, uh, this, this we hope that everybody takes to heart. And finally, Trump sounded off on the efforts to censor, cancel, and blacklist. This happens to be true as well. Again, I wish that this statement had been made a month and a half ago after the Electoral College vote. That would have been the time to do this. But better late than, than not at all. Here was President Trump talking about the efforts to censor and, uh, censor and cancel and blacklist and, uh, and the problem with the backlash that we are now experiencing in the country. These are tense and difficult times. The efforts to censor, cancel, and blacklist our fellow citizens are wrong, and they are dangerous. What is needed now is for us to listen to one another, not to silence one another. All of us can choose, by our actions, to rise above the rancor and find common ground and shared purpose. Okay, so that was President Trump's statement yesterday. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell has announced that this thing is basically going nowhere, the impeachment meeting. He says, we've run out of time. He says, the House of Representatives has voted to impeach the president. The Senate process will now begin at our first regular meeting following receipt of the article from the House. Given the rules, procedures, and Senate precedents that govern presidential impeachment trials, there's simply no chance that a fair or serious trial could conclude before President-elect Biden is sworn in the next week. 
The Senate has held three presidential impeachment trials. They have lasted 83 days, 37 days, and 21 days, respectively. Even if the Senate process were to begin this week and move promptly, no final verdict would be reached until after Trump had left office. This is not a decision I am making. It is a fact. The president-elect himself stated last week his inauguration on January 20th is the quickest path for any change in the occupants of the presidency. In light of this reality, I believe it will best serve our nation if Congress and the executive branch spent the next seven days completely focused on facilitating a safe inauguration and an orderly transfer of power to the incoming Biden administration. I'm grateful to the offices and institutions within the Capitol that are working around the clock alongside federal and local law enforcement to, to prepare for a safe and successful inauguration at the Capitol next Wednesday. So in other words, we're out of time. There's really no point to this at this point since it is now the 14th and we are you know, less than a week away from the inauguration of Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States. Now, there are serious legal questions to be asked as to whether impeachment can be pursued after the person leaves office. Justice, a judge named uh, Michael Luddick, who's a very well-respected former court of appeals judge, uh, he wrote a piece for the Washington Post saying, no, you really can't impeach people after they are out of office because they're out of office. Literally, impeachment is to take them out of office. That's what it means. Um, but there are others who say, no, you can actually pursue impeachment as a way of barring the person from running for office in the future. In any case, it's going to be a weird spectacle for Americans two months from now to be talking about the impeachment of a president who's no longer in office. And um, yeah, as far as barring Trump from running for future office, presumably uh, there could be some act of censure that could do it. I'm not sure the only way to do that would be impeachment, even if Congress wanted to pursue that. So essentially, time has run and there is not going to be a quick exit for President Trump before January 20th. Uh, meanwhile, Democrats are now making some some rather extraordinary claims that I would love to see some evidence. If there's evidence of this, then honestly, th this is treasonous activity. I mean, if, if there are actual Congress people who were aiding and abetting the Capitol rioters, like bringing them into the Capitol or giving them tours of the Capitol, knowing they were going to go in and attempt to do violence to people, that actually is insurrection. Right now you're talking about an attempt to overthrow the lawful workings of the United States Congress. Democrats have been throwing around this accusation. I am shocked that it has not been leading every newspaper because, frankly, this is the biggest accusation that's been made. It's a bigger accusation than Trump inciting people. Right? Incitement is both a legal standard and then sort of an informal standard. On the legal side, Trump does not meet the standard of incitement. On the, on the social side, I still think that it's, it's kind of dicey. But with that said, isn't the bigger headline, if Democrats could actually show evidence of this, if members of Congress, sitting elected members of Congress, were showing rioters and insurrectionists around the Capitol building in preparation for the insurrection, wouldn't that actually be the bigger story? And yet I've, I've seen very little pursuit of this story among members of the media. So maybe it'll break a little bit later, but if not, then it's going to be kind of astonishing if the Democrats made this accusation about their fellow elected Congress member. Either it's true, in which case people should go to jail for literally ever, or it is untrue, in which case you shouldn't be making accusations of this magnitude without any evidence to back them. Here were Democrats claiming that there was help for the rioters from inside the Congress. I do believe there was some inside uh, assistance. Yes, somebody on the inside of those buildings were uh, complicit in this. There is no doubt in my mind that there were people inside the Capitol, inside law enforcement, perhaps even other members of the other side that may have been involved in this. There was a sense that something was wrong. And obviously with the violence, but there was a sense that something was wrong from the inside. Well, I mean, if they can actually prove those claims, then people should go. I mean, frankly, that's treason, right? I mean, if you're actually aiding and abetting a riot as an elected member of the United States government, that's that's essentially treason. Um, but I, I've not seen the evidence presented to this point other than sort of these vague suspicions. And people should not be throwing around accusations with that unless they have evidence to back it, because that's that's pretty extraordinary. So 
all of this is culminating uh, in the inauguration of Joe Biden, which will happen next week. And it appears the Democrats have now raised the ante on what they are going to attempt to do. Now, the economic reports right now are just abysmal. Uh, the, the new economic reports show that the economy is really underperforming even what uh, a lot of folks thought that it was going to do. They thought there were going to be like 800,000 new people out of jobs. It's more like a million. Uh, the, the numbers are really, really bad today. Uh, and Democrats are, are seizing the opportunity to talk about making big, big changes, according to Peter Cohn, writing for Roll Call. It says Democrats plan a spending blowout. They've hinted tax increases will be delayed until later this year at the earliest, helping buoy investor optimism. So they are just going to delay the tax increases uh, because they don't wish to stymie the economy, which would be the smart move. But they also wish to blow out the spending. Top Democrats are apparently prepping trillions of dollars more to goose disposable income, help the unemployed, relieve state and local government budgets. So they want to now bail out the state and localities for having spend like like drunken sailors on shore leave, hypercharge the vaccine rollout, build out clean energy, housing, broadband, water, transportation infrastructure, subsidized paid leave and child care and more. According to Russ Sullivan, former staff director for the Senate Finance Committee, Democrats who worked closely with the Obama administration on stimulus, health care and tax. Biden and his team are not going to raise taxes on anyone until the economy is fully recovered or at least more stable. But it looks as though they are going to be pushing uh, very, very hard for extraordinary spending. Biden said on Friday he wants additional swift action on an economic aid package, including 1400 per person checks on top of the $600 that started going out last week. The price tag alone will be in the trillions of dollars, Biden said. So more trillions of dollars out the door. Some of us who were fans of fiscal discipline and didn't like the budgets that Trump was signing into law, even though we were on the Republican side of the aisle, it turns out that those of us in favor of fiscal discipline uh, are still in favor of fiscal discipline. So some of us were actually consistent on this issue. The Democrats basically have budget reconciliation. That's pretty much it. They can use that twice this year because Congress never adopted a fiscal 2021 budget blueprint last year. So that's available until the end of September. When Congress adopts a budget resolution, which is no small feat in its own right, the document directs committees to draft legislation hitting budgetary targets. If it's a deficit cut, they have to produce a minimum level of savings. If it's a deficit increase, they can lose that amount and no more. And then they bundle that together into a filibuster-proof package. But um, expectations should be tempered as well. However, Democrats do have some rather large plans here, and uh, that is exacerbated by the fact that Bernie Sanders is apparently going to be chairing up the Budget Committee, which is essentially a, uh, a Republican nightmare. Uh, you have an open socialist talking about heading up the budget committee, which is just, I mean, good night. Good night, Grandma. I mean, it's, it is bad news all the way around. The New York Times reporting that Republicans have long feared the prospect of Sanders, a self-described Democratic socialist, taking the helm of the powerful committee, given his embrace of bigger government and more federal spending. That fear is about to become a reality. Sanders will have a central role in shaping and, and steering the Democrats' tax and spending plans through a Congress that they control with the slimmest of margins. He, uh, Sanders says that he is going to be as aggressive as humanly possible. He says, underline the word aggressive, start out there. So he's going to be pushing tax, healthcare, climate change, and several other domestic issues. His role as budget chairman will give him control over a little known but incredibly powerful congressional tool, reconciliation, allowing Congress to move some legislation without gaining 60 votes. So look for the budget blowout to happen immediately. Again, all politics eventually ends up channeled into the, into the legislative process. Uh, and if Bernie Sanders is heading that up, it is bad news. Alrighty, so we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show. In the meantime, head on over to the Michael Knowles Show, which is available right at this moment. Michael is covering some uplifting news from the Supreme Court. Worth noting, I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. 
We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2021. The House impeaches President Trump again. AOC unwittingly offers insight and conservatives score a win at the Supreme Court. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.